This is Sharon Levitt of the Tyndale Momentum Book Team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with author Dr. Larry Richards about his latest book, How to Read and Understand the Bible. Dr. Richards has published over 200 works, including commentaries, Bible dictionaries, study Bibles, and books for the general public. He holds a THM from Dallas Theological Seminary and a PhD in a joint program from Garrett Biblical Seminary and Northwestern University. He and his wife Sue live in Raleigh, North Carolina. How to Read and Understand the Bible will be available to readers this June. Actually, it's available now and anywhere books are sold. Welcome, Larry. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, thanks so much for your time today to discuss a topic a lot of us struggle with, reading and really comprehending what we're reading in the Bible. So, Larry, why do people find the Bible so hard to understand? Well, I think there are lots of reasons. One of them is, for those of us who were brought up in church, we've learned all sorts of Bible stories, and we know a few special Bible verses, but we haven't ever taken the chance to see the Bible as a story itself, mm -hmm. um, not just a, a collection of stories or beliefs or doctrines. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that is true, you know, that um, we remember the stories about David and uh, Noah, but when but there's not, when I look back, uh, and most of the people I know would say that they've got these set-apart stories without this wonderful continuum. So how would you describe the Bible story? Well, first of all, it's a love story. You see that right away in Genesis chapter 1, where God creates us in his own image that he might have someone to love and to love him. Yeah. And the fascinating thing about the story is that like any good story, it has all sorts of twists and turns. The, the people that God created decided to declare independence from him. And they found those choices they made led to pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And God didn't give up on us, but God continued to reach out to them. In fact, I guess you can say the Bible is the story of God's pursuing love. Mm -hmm. That he really goes to restore that lost relationship and to provide us with the blessings that he intended. Yeah. Well, how does reading the Bible as story help us to really understand it? Well, it, it helps us by giving us a perspective. Some of the uh, folks in the Bible study we go to were, were talking about this, and they were saying, you know, uh, it's a big book. Where do you begin? And if you do start reading something, uh, how do you know how it fits in with everything else, you know, if you open one of the prophets or something like that? Mm -hmm. And the fascinating thing is, like any story, God's story has major themes. And these themes run throughout the whole Bible, the Old and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Now, God's love is the central theme, of course, and uh, man's desire to be independent and the consequences, that's another one. Mm. And there's the struggle between good and evil. And as this story unfolds, 
and it does unfold along a historical timeline, mm-hmm. you can you can see what God is doing in this world and in our lives to restore those broken human relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you've used the term unfolding several times. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean that like, um, like any good story, um, God's story develops. In the Old Testament, you can see it developing over time. Yeah. And as the Old Testament proceeds, you see new themes being introduced in each of the books. It starts, of course, with um, creation and the loss of a relationship with God, and it moves to uh, the uh, restoration, it moves to redemption, it moves to the things that God is doing, so we can trace these themes throughout Scripture, and that gives us a real perspective on the story. Yes. Now, the, like you said, the Old Testament, you've got this long timeline, and you made a distinction in your book about um, the Old Testament and the New Testament and uh, how that timeline is different in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, in, in relation to the focus, um, the people. Uh, yeah, one, one of the things that disturb people is when you read the Old Testament and then go to the New Testament, it seems like almost two different books. Mm-hmm. But it's really one part of a single story. The difference is that God's story in the Old Testament is worked out through the history of a nation, Israel. And the fascinating thing is that God is telling his story today in the lives of individual Christians. Mm -hmm. All those themes are the same. The redemption theme, the struggle with good and evil, they're present in the Old Testament. They're present in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. but it is being worked out in our lives rather than in the history of a nation or a community. Mm-hmm. Now, is that because the New Testament focused on the Redeemer, man, Jesus? I think that if, you, if, you, if we read the Old Testament story, one of the things you discover is that all the truths in the New Testament are rooted in the story of the Old Testament. For example, the redemption story is illustrated in the experience of God's freeing the people of Israel Mm -hmm. from slavery in Egypt. And the conditions there are the same. It's interesting. Uh, The people were helpless as slaves. Um, They couldn't bring, they couldn't save themselves. Mm -hmm. And so God sent a man, Moses, and through that man, he brought deliverance. In the New Testament, you see the same thing. Yeah. We are helpless, gripped in the chains of sin. Mm-hmm. And then God sent a man, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And through Jesus, he exercised his miraculous power to break the chains that bind us and to give us freedom and relationship with him. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting story. Yes. Yes, it is. You know, and... And I know that your book can help people see that and not just get scared by, by the bigness of it. Um, now, some of the parts of the Bible don't really seem like story. Like I'm thinking of, um, you know, Leviticus, the the laws, and the and some some of Deuteronomy. Um, how do those fit into the story 
Well, I think the thing is that we we have to understand the story and particularly understand its ending. What God intends to do at history's end is to create an eternal community where we can experience his love and love one another. It's described in Revelation. Now, the fascinating thing is that God wants us to experience as much of that experience of blessing today as is possible. So if you look at those laws in the Old Testament, you find that they're not just a list of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. They're a picture of a society which has been developed specifically to enable people to live in a relationship with each other and with God where they can experience some of the blessings of eternity in the present today. Of course, the tragedy of the story is that in the Old Testament times, Israel never really built that kind of society. Yeah. And the excitement of it is that today, this sense of community, this sense of we are to be together with others and in that fellowship of others, experience God's blessing, that's deeply integrated into the New Testament, too. Mm -hmm. So in both cases, the story is the same. And the themes are the same. And the experience God wants us to have in relationship to him are the same. Yeah, it really illustrates to me what a loving, patient God we have who, as you said, he He brings up this nation to be his special people, and yet independence keeps getting in the way, even yeah. though he has such a wonderful plan for them to experience the abundant life, but the independence, and he never gives up, as you said. He never gives up. And that's exciting because every place you read, if you're sensitive, the one thing that you sense shining through is that God loves us, that God loves the individual who's sitting there reading his story of the Bible. And as we read the Bible as story, And as we sense that love shining through, that brings us into a deeper and closer relationship with him, which, of course, is just what the Bible is really all about. God's story, God's invitation to us to know him in a deeply personal and wonderful way. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Um, One of the things that really captivated me was when you talked about the flexibility of God. And I, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. One of the themes that you see in the Old Testament, and, and it's so strong there, and it's carried over to the New Testament, is that our choices are important. Yeah. And that the choices we make really make a difference in this world. Sometimes, you know, people think of God's sovereignty in the sense that he's sort of in control of everything and it's all planned out and whatever we do, it's going to work out just the way he planned. So why should we take so much concern about what choices we make? But the fact is that throughout Scripture, we see God responding to our choices. Now, the question is, how can God respond to our choices and still be sure of carrying out his purposes and keeping his promises? And the answer is a very simple one. It's God from the very beginning 
is understood all the possible choices you or I might make. Mm -hmm. And he's already achieved the solution of how, if we make this choice, he will respond Mm -hmm. in such a way that will bring us back to the conformity to his purposes. Mm -hmm. So our choices make a difference. And God is flexible. He responds to the choices we make. You know, prayer wouldn't mean much if whatever we prayed for was predetermined. Yeah. But God hears prayers, and he answers prayers. And the scripture says, you have not because you ask not. God responds to our choices. And this is a real personal relationship we have with him, just like we have with anyone else. Yeah. Can you give an example of one of the things in well, Old Testament or New Testament, where you see a vivid example of God's flexibility. Sure. Um, God uh, sent Noah to Nineveh. Yes. And he said, you tell them in Nineveh, yet 30 days Nineveh will be destroyed. So Noah goes to, or Jonah goes to Nineveh, and he announces in 30 days you're going to be destroyed. Well, the people in Nineveh repent. They return of their sins from kings on down to the common people. And Jonah goes up on top of a mountain and sits there to wait for God to destroy that city, which was the major enemy and the major threat to Israel's existence at that point in history. And God doesn't do it. And Jonah later complains to God and said, that's why I ran away. I knew you were gracious and compassionate, and I was afraid that they might repent and that you might change your mind. Now, there's a perfect example, and there are so many more, of God responding to the choices that human beings make in a flexible way. And uh, we have many, many additional ones to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always loved that story when I read it and how human, how I could so relate to uh, Jonah, you know, just yeah. being mad and, and my humanness. No, I want you to destroy them. And that's But right. he knew that he was gracious. <laughs> you know, and, but, you know that's, that's a, that was a great story in the, in the time, however, because, you know, here was Israel. And they were being called on to repent by two other prophets at the same time. And what Jonah's experience at Nineveh said to Israel was, you are my people. Don't you think that if you repent, I will remove the threat of judgment? Hmm. And the answer is, of course, God would. So it was a very important message, not for us only, but for the people of Jonah's own time. Yeah. And, you know, he waits until the full measure of sin has come. You made a point of that in your your book, too, Um, waiting until it's time. You know, our time is is not his time. So the the story in the Bible is very encouraging to us that we don't have to to be in control of everything. We can't be. Yes, we can't. And, And it's a blessing. Yes, it is. Once we get rid of the independent streak that we all have. <laughs> yeah, we all want to do it our way. And, you know, I understand that. God understands that. Um, the problem is 
that, as Proverbs says, are the way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, you know, if we rely too much on our own understanding, uh, we may try to do the right thing, but we can get in trouble. That's right. Well, what would you say is the value, just, you know, like those people in your um, church who are saying, I, I don't know where to start. If you learn to read and understand the Bible as story, what happens? What's the biggest benefit? Well, the biggest benefit is that whatever you're reading, you can relate it to the themes that flow throughout the Scripture, and you can get a sense of where this fits. Uh, like like any novel, uh, God's story has all sorts of side stories. Um, you know, you it's not just the main story. Here's the story of so-and-so. Here's the story of so-and-so woven into novels. Well, that's the same way with Scripture. And as we read some of these side stories, we can relate them uh, more perfectly to the overall. So we don't feel lost when we're reading a passage in Scripture and say, now, what in the world does that have to do with anything, and how does that relate to this or to that? Uh, if we really understand the Bible as a story, uh, we're really helped to uh, fit together what we read so we've got a picture of the whole as well as the part. Yeah. You know, when you were writing this Bible, I mean with this book, who who did you envision as being the key audience? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> actually, uh, there are a couple of key audiences. One, of course, is is the millennial generation, which is struggling with many of the issues that we touch on in this book. The, the other one is people who have been familiar with the Bible, who go to church, who uh, read the Bible devotionally, but who somehow still haven't been able to see it as a whole and to understand it as the story that God is telling that impinges so deeply on their lives. Mm -hmm. So I think it's anyone who's a believer who wants to understand the Bible better, mm -hmm. anyone who uh, really wants to know God better. That's uh, that's what this book is for. Yeah. It seems to me also that if you read this the Bible as story, it engages your emotions and that will automatically give a much fuller understanding than when we just read it with our head, with our intellect. Oh, absolutely. One of, the, one of the discoveries I made that I had never realized was in reading the Old Testament prophets. Now, the Psalms have always been understood to be an emotional book and the fact that we can express our emotions freely to God and He cares and He listens, whatever those emotions are. Mm -hmm. When I read the prophets, I suddenly discover that God is sharing his emotional life with us yeah. so that we can come to know him on an emotional language. Yes. There's there's all those all those feelings in there. Yeah. There's anger, there's frustration, there's compassion mm -hmm. and God just so deeply cares about the people who are going astray. So if we read the Bible a story and we get into that emotional level that makes a tremendous difference in our response to Scripture. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I wonder, 
I noticed that you've got discussion questions at the end of each chapter. So how do you think, would this be a good book to be used in a small group? Well, they're actually thought questions, but they are thoughts that you can share with others. So it would be a good thing to share in a small group. It would be a, a good thing for a class study, too, mm -hmm. um, because <clears throat> uh, I teach a Sunday school class on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I'm right now, I'm going through Romans with the class. Uh, the fact that they can ask questions, that they can listen, that they can think about it to out loud and talk to others, has been very important in this whole learning process of coming to understand Scripture. And I believe that's very vital. So I'd love to see a few people get together, or a small group get together, or a class get together and read the chapters and talk about the themes and uh, the questions that are raised at the end. Yeah, very good. I was thinking the same thing. Well, I think we're our time is up, Larry, and I just want to thank you again for writing the book and for the time that you've given to, to all of us today. Uh, well, thank you, Sharon. It's been a blessing to be with you. It has. And for those listening, the book is available now, How to Read and Understand the Bible. It's available now anywhere books are sold, on your online retailers or your brick-and-mortar stores. And we thank you for your time. Bye-bye.